This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Sally Black, who connects with her son on the other side through a portal, and today we're going to learn about it. Sally, thank you for joining me, and welcome. Thank you, Jeff, for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, Sally, if you don't mind, can we start with a little bit of backstory about how your son crossed over? Sure. Uh, This was back in 2019. And my son was actually in Australia just before he passed. He was planting trees. He's a tree planter. And headed to Greece after that. Um, He had been in India five times prior to that. Every year he'd go for six months and travel up and down the Himalaya area and take pictures because he was learning to be a film photographer. So... The person that he was learning from lived in Tinos Island, Greece. And so he flew from Australia to Greece. This was August of 2019. And um, he had been traveling with a, in a, with a motorcycle, on a motorcycle, for four years, I, I believe. And uh, he was, you know, going all the way up to Layla Dock, which is close to Afghanistan. So he knew how to drive a motorcycle. So in this case, it was nighttime. Uh, He was at a Greek party, one of those neighborhood parties they have with people in the, you know, all ages and food. And he was there for quite a long time. It was five o'clock in the morning. And he wasn't used to this Vespa that had been rented. And also Tinos is known for its wind. that day, we were told uh, when we talked to the police that uh, that was a day they weren't renting motorcycle or these Vespas because of the wind factor. So I think that might have been one of the reasons Michael crashed, but he did. He crashed the motorcycle within two blocks of the place where he was in town, which was kind of shocking to me because he'd been all over in these dangerous areas for so long. To have that happen, it was not something that I imagined would happen to Michael, but it did. And um, the way the doctor explained his injury was that he he hit in a place uh, where the the blood flow got stopped to his brain, and there was no coming back to that. He said it wouldn't have mattered even if he'd been at the door of the hospital and slipped and fell, uh, the same outcome. And that is that it just can't go up to the brain and eventually it it kills the brain. So we got a call, uh, I got a, first of all, I woke up in a panic and since then um, have been told by uh, just listening to people on YouTube. Uh, It's called a shared death experience. I had that with Michael. Luckily, I don't remember what woke me up, 
but I woke up in a panic in the middle of the night, the night he had crashed. I don't know what time it was in Greece. Anyway, I woke up, I went, oh my God, oh my God, what's happened? What ha I was like pacing back and forth and I went on the email and um, I saw there was an email from uh, Sabran, the photographer that Michael was working with said, uh, call me immediately, something's happened to Michael. So that was an awful moment for me, of course. And then uh, two days later, I think it was three actually, by the time we got there, we had I had to fly from Maui to San Francisco to Greece. And um, when we got there, he was on a ventilator. I didn't see any other machines though, which kind of, but I wondered about that. There was no, there were no machines keeping him alive. It was just the ventilator. So it took about three or four days to take care of all the details. But when I saw Michael, he didn't look injured at all. I mean, I saw the swelling here, but he, he looked like Michael. And um, I immediately went into this shock. I didn't want to be there. I like, I didn't, I didn't it lasted for days that I was just like going through the motion of what we had to do, which was pretty awful. Uh, we, um, when we did find out there was no coming back, Michael had wanted to donate his organs on his license and he was a very kind person. So we honored that and uh, he saved eight people with his organs and it ended up on the front of newspaper and I got all kinds of hugs from Greek people um so that was that was nice although the rest of it was pretty horrible um I just was felt like I was going through the motions of what I had to do I was okay now we got to do this now we got to do that I was kind of like a robot and um not really crying I was just in shock that when you get a, a death like that, that's, you know, like one day he's okay. It was just hours before that I talked to him and then like, he just disappears. Like, where'd he go? Uh, that's what you feel like, huh? <laughs> this can't be happening. So anyway, um, that is, I get emotional about just thinking about it because usually I try not to. Um, but that was that, and then uh, we we did the whole thing about getting his clothes, and yeah, so I decided um, that I wanted to fly back to California. Uh, I was living in Maui, uh, but I wanted to be closer to where Michael used to live, with his where his dad was, so moved back to California. Well, my sincere condolences for your loss. Thank you. When and how did you start communicating with him? The communication started uh, quite quickly, surprisingly. And within months, I started noticing uh, I would wake up in the middle of the night. I don't know if I was prompted to. I, don't, I really don't know. I just know I continued to wake up in the middle of the night around 3. And... Uh, I started seeing these, this like yellow swirling orb-like thing in my vision. And I looked at it and I went, what is that? 
Am I just imagining that? And it went on for quite a while, just the yellow kind of swirling in the black of the night, because it was the middle of the night. And then, uh, I don't know, it might have been three months in, and I'd had all kinds of other contact that I went, yeah, maybe, because I, I don't believe things easily. I have more, more of a scientific kind of mind. And, you know, I there were ravens, there were there was something on TV. There were there were all kinds of songs on the radio. You know the normal things that a lot of people look for when people pass away. But I'm like, well, maybe. <laughs> I just didn't. Uh, I, it wasn't enough for me to have that happen to feel that anything but maybe serendipity, which I believe in. So, three months in. Um, that orb turned into what I call a portal. Uh, it was a square, kind of a window-looking thing. And it opened up. And this all happens in seconds. In the middle of the night, I'm awake. I'm looking. My eyes are kind of fluttering, so it's a bit of a trance-like state I'm in. And um, it opened up to a scene a scene that looked very much like the Himalayas, you know, mountainous. Uh, and I, I noticed that there were people walking around, but I didn't know who the people were. They were black, you know, like figures, silhouettes walking around. And I thought, wow, look at that. <laughs> and, and that turned into Michael showing up. And from then on, it was mostly Michael showing up in the scene. And the scene changed sometimes. It wasn't always the Himalayas, but a lot of times it was. I also uh, experienced telepathically Michael talking to me in my head a couple of times. Not that much though. Um, it was mostly the visual and it happened regularly. And it still does. I just had another experience about a week ago, but not as often as it was in the beginning. I, I believe because I don't, I don't need it so much as I used to with my grief. It's calmed down a little bit. Do you remember what he told you? Um, so many things, but one in one instance in particular, I remember it was my birthday and. I asked him telepathically, Michael, are you really there? Is this really you? Prove it to me. And he just handed me a white rose. And then it, it went away again, the scene. Um, so many things, so many things. He told me telepathically when I was seeing him in the portal that verified I was actually seeing Michael. Or, <laughs> it seemed like Michael, I mean, it looked like Michael. Um, I don't, I'm not one to disbelieve or believe that it could be an ET or it could be a, it could be spirit. I do know though, from my own experiences in the past, I've done remote viewing. I, I studied with a remote viewer. Um, I've had out of body experiences. I do know and I have for myself verified that consciousness 
exists without functions, bodily functions. That I verified already back 30 years before this happened, which really helped me um, in these experiences really going, wow, this is like incredible. And I don't see why it's not Michael. <laughs> why not? <laughs> did he appear to anyone else? He did, yeah. Early on, um, his girlfriend, uh, best friend told me it was kind of freaky for her because it was like one or two days after he passed. And she said he appeared right. It wasn't a portal. It was like uh, he was there and then he just melted in front of her. It was very almost scary for her. I never had that experience, but she did. So, yes, uh, but in others, uh, no, not in the way I've, I don't know any, I've listened to so many NDEs, so many programs, and I have yet to hear anybody that has the story. I'd love to, <laughs> but um, we, you know, everybody has their own ways to connect with spirit, but um, I've not heard this type of uh, connection before like this and did he happen to describe the other side or what he's doing on the other side only by what what i see and michael was very playful and fun and so at one point um one time i saw him he was actually on a yak laughing <laughs> if you know what a yak is I'm assuming it's um, kind of like a buffalo or something. Yes, but this well, it's they're in the Himalayas. They're cute. They're cute little tiny buffalo. And he was laughing. He said he was always laughing and uh, having a good time whenever I would see him. You know, to let me know that he was okay mm. and that wherever he was, he certainly wasn't unhappy about it. I was wondering. If you were the only person that saw him because perhaps you had changed your energy somehow after doing remote viewing and out-of-body experiences, but maybe not since his girlfriend saw him as well. Well, she's very sen a very sensitive person, and they were extremely close, like Michael and I were. And she is, um, I'm not, I wasn't surprised that she had had an experience with Michael. And, and Michael also was a person that was a meditator, a reader of all, very curious about spiritual experiences, had done a lot of um, drugs like LSD and like mushrooms. He really liked that. I, however, have not done any of that. <laughs> but Michael was very curious about all those things. So uh, it doesn't surprise me that he would know how to how to figure this out, how to connect with me. One of the times I was with Michael, one of the last times he was saying, well, I made it to to uh, I, I made it to the moon. I went, what are you talking about? He goes, nothing. He didn't really share a lot with me, but I knew he was quite experienced. Even as a child, he would tell me he would go out of his body. And, and he had remote, remote viewed as a child. So I was always promoting that because in the, my 40s, I was learning those things. So he, he knew he was six, seven years old. He was just doing it. And I said, you know, 
not going to tell them it's not real because it is real. <laughs> so, do you feel like your experiences with him has spiritually transformed you in any way? The whole thing has, yeah. Um, in particular, my heart just blew open, and my compassion, my empathy, my wanting to do something purposeful in my life, even though they were all there before, because I, I had done hands-on healing for years. And I thought I was already all those things. But this is like, I'm a really different person now. I'm much more vulnerable, which has its downsides and upsides, uh, because you can feel very lonely being vulnerable like that. A lot of people don't want to go there. They're uncomfortable with it. I wouldn't change any of that, though. I just wish Michael it didn't, didn't require this big shock for it to happen to me. And sometimes it does. Do you feel like your connection with him is more due to him reaching you or you meditating or doing something to be able to connect with him? That is a question I don't know. However, I believe that the way Michael was and his curiosity about these things um, probably helps when we're both trying to create a bubble of reality that is together. But I'm not intending to do it. It's just happening in the middle of the night. So I may wish it, but when it happens, it's always a surprise. <laughs> do you think it's possible for other people to connect with their loved ones on the other side? Absolutely, I do. Uh, the only thing that would be uh, preventing that is fear and, and, and lowered, lower vibrations, which of course is fear. But, but anything, uh, too much mind activity, it just shuts down the, the energy so that you can't, uh, you can't access higher realms when you're in your mind. You really have to have a silent uh, space to, for that to even occur, unless it's by accident. If people have had things like NDEs happen to them. Uh, many people never have meditated and they have these amazing experiences. So I think a shock could probably create that, some sort of a shock to the body. I'm assuming your tips would be to meditate and or try to raise your vibrations some way and Both. clear your mind? Both. It, it's like an ongoing change of lifestyle where you get up in the morning and decide that you're going to be as present as you can be, as mindful as you can be, but our minds do take over. I mean, that's just being on the planet. It's, it's, it's a planet of duality. And if we're not being present to ourselves, we don't even notice we're, we're not present. We just, unless we notice we are not present, we just think we're normal. 
which is the normal state of being for people. Um, so I believe, yes, efforts really help. Meditation helps, in particular, uh, mindfulness meditations and uh, guided meditations that help you get more into your creative mind rather than your logical mind, which kind of doesn't think this is real anyway. <laughs> like what? <laughs> uh, it's the creative mind that can go, yeah, could be. Do you feel that you and your son are part of a soul group that have been reincarnating over and over together? Maybe. Um, I don't know. It seems like to me, though, we're not here by accident. I don't know if it's ETs running the show or if it's like what the church looks like, angels, uh, higher beings. It seems like something like that is going on, but I have not ever verified it. Um, so all I can say is, I think so, but I'm not quite sure. I don't have a belief system around it. So I haven't really verified it. This to me, what's happened with Michael and um, seeing him like this, to me, that was enough ver verification for me um, to believe he exists in some, some place in some form, his consciousness does. What kind of advice would you give to someone who's grieving over the loss of a loved one? To try and connect with that loved one. And I started with mediums. That really, really helped me. But after a while, it, it seemed like it was more powerful for me to get it myself. And... Uh, I, I really would like to teach other people how to do that because there's a lot of people out there that don't know what to do and don't know who to talk to. They're, they're just so overwhelmed. I know that feeling very well. It's, it's a horrible feeling to just be alone and not be able to talk to people that have not been through this. So... That's what I'm hoping for my future, is to connect with people and make them realize that I'm not the only one who can do this. Anybody can do it if they really want to. That's my belief. So you feel that you can teach it? As, yes, I do feel it. And uh, I would like to give you that information at a certain point so that people can contact me. Where would you say you are at now energetically or spiritually? And what are you doing? I just moved back to Maui. I live by myself. I find it important to, and almost essential to have time by myself. And if I were to find a partner that would continue that way, it would be at like, I have to be by myself to do this work because Life right now, too, is very frenetic and confusing out there. And 
just being quiet um, helps you get, helps your vibration increase. And you can't, unless it's something that happens by accident, like I said, like an NDE, that shoots you out of your body. Typically people have to make some sort of an effort to have experiences. Uh, the, the drug experiences, I don't know if it's mind or if it's actual consciousness that, that's happening there. So I can't really talk, talk about that as far as mind expanding drugs. Uh, but yeah, I, I have what I feel is I'm a lot more grounded than I was before. It sounds crazy <laughs> to me even when I say it. Because I, I can go into grief at such depths now of pain. And then I have to I have to pull myself out of it again. But it's not, it comes and goes uh, at, with shorter spans of, of it now than it did before. But I think anybody who's lost someone, uh, that they are very close to, they're stuck with the grief. <laughs> you know, what do they do with it? Um, it's important to know that you have a choice. That there are things you can do to get yourself out of grief and you can have joy again. Great joy, uh, especially with this, these experiences with Michael. I mean, one of the things I think that is so hard about losing a person is that you don't you can't have memories with them anymore. You have memories, but they're all in the past. And then you know, there's no more memories. And that's the way human beings live on memories. So I have to live in the past, right? Now with seeing Michael in the portal, I can I can create new memories of Michael. What a gift. Earlier, you mentioned ETs. Have you ever seen a UFO? Once. And only the lights. Um, I was in Lake Tahoe. I was driving back the back way. And uh, I saw lights. I knew that's what it was. But I had never met an ET that I'm aware of. Um, I certainly don't disbelieve it. Um, but I just don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if they're running the show. <laughs> it's like, possible. <laughs> um, I, but I do think that from my experiences with this, it's not scary. It's not dark. It's full of light. And I do believe that when we pass on, we have that experience. Unless we believe otherwise. I think some of my guests who are out-of-body experiencers will say that the number one thing you've got to get over is the fear. And you mentioned the fear also with even connecting with somebody on the other side. What is your best advice for getting over the fear? Getting centered, uh, noticing the fear. Uh, it became very apparent to me. I've got a mosquito flying around. It became very apparent to me um, after Michael passed 
that how unaware I was of how much fear I was running and how much space fear was taking in my life. It was incredible to me. I like got what we're just in traffic here. There's no reason to, <laughs> or somebody says something and then it starts all over again. And it was, it became extremely apparent to me that we're, we're almost always in that energy. And wow, that was like a big surprise to me. I didn't realize it was so like constant. Like every single day, something goes on where I start feeling afraid of something. I'm just sitting here and I have a thought. I'm in fear again. My vibrations go down. And so when I notice it, I can do something about it. But if it's going, if it's going along without me noticing it, and eventually it, it could make me sick. And it does make people sick. So I'm healthier because I'm noticing, because I'm aware of myself and my states more often. And I think that's really important. You cannot expect to have, like, to me, miracles happen, like, unless you have it by accident, uh, unless your vibrations are high enough to uh, to to notice them, they're here all the time. That's what I think. They're right here. They're not anywhere else. So it sounds like you're saying first be aware that you're having fear. Right. And then once you're aware of it, try to change that state of, you know, okay, I realize I'm afraid. There's no need to be afraid. And maybe I should try to be more centered or think positive thoughts or try to be more loving, maybe think about love and that'll kind of pull you out of fear? I think it's different for everyone. I have more of like a, a logical way. I'm saying, okay, I'm in fear, but what am I afraid of? I'm asking questions like, what just happened? Really, nothing happened? Some, some silly thing happened? And I notice it and then I'm out of it because I noticed it. So then my vibrations go up again. But it's an ongoing project. <laughs> It's not, it's not like it just goes away, but I can say that I'm a lot happier because I'm noticing it a lot more now where I can be in a, in an, uh, like an allowing state rather than a shut down state. Is there anything that Michael has told you from the other side that is surprising or shocking and it's something that you don't forget? Well, it's come through a lot telepathically, these messages. I think the joy on the other side was really a, a wonderful feeling for me that I, I don't have to be afraid of death. Nobody else does either, because it really looks like it's, it's a ton. It can be a ton of fun, <laughs> whatever, wherever they are. Um, the last time I had an experience, and I've also, I, I have, I guess, for lack of channeling, um, uh, information that I write down. But um, the last time I had an experience that I, I woke up, I saw Michael and then I saw this, I, it never happened before, this explosion of white light, just And then I woke up, I, I didn't wake up, I was already awake. I, I said, what is that? That never happened before. And what I get from, uh, 
many of these experiences afterwards is this voice telling me a little at a time. You you can't have the whole thing all at once, or you you'd be it would be just be too much. So you're getting a little bit more every single time that you have experiences so that you get used to them. So that it, it's not like, oh my God, you know, it's more like, wow, rather than something to be afraid of. If somebody wants to reach out to you and ask you questions, what's the best way to contact you? I have an email that I specifically have for that purpose. And it's Clearlight by Sally at gmail.com. And they can reach me there and then I will get back to them. Do you feel that after communicating with your son, you now have a new purpose in life? I've always um, had the ability to do healing work and I've studied psychology. I'm well-versed with a lot of, a lot of different areas, but the purpose is just Michael's pushing me to do this. I feel it. Michael wants me to do this. This is what he wants me to do. Intuitively, I know that. It's what I want to do. It's what's going to give me joy for the rest of my life if I pursue it. And if I don't, I think I'm going to be disappointed in myself. To not to, to not push through the obstacles of, oh, I can't do it, or, oh, it's too hard, or, you know, I don't think it's going to work, or whatever is in the way, to just push through it and do it. Because I wish there was someone else that had these experiences like I have. I have yet to um, see anything, and I've literally listened to hundreds of NDEs and all kinds of programs, but nothing like this um, I've ever heard. It'd be nice to meet somebody that has. <laughs> you know, the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. I've done about 700 interviews, and I think I've never had a case like yours either. Yeah. So it is pretty special, and yet I don't think I'm special. I think that... It's something that I need to give to other people so that they can know they can do it themselves, should they want to. It's not easy um, to notice what you're doing during the day, to notice you're in fear. I mean, all of that is part of it, growth, personal growth. It's really important to get to a place where you can actually have these experiences. It just, it just uh, I feel I've earned it. So before the portal opened and you saw him, is it possible he was leaving you signs like feathers or pennies or were you having any other possible connections with him? All kinds, all kinds. And one I can remember specifically because this, this really brought me to tears. Um, did you ever see the movie Contact? Mm -hmm. Okay, well, that movie used to make me cry and I didn't know why. So 
I think, I don't know this, but I believe that I always knew Michael was going to pass away. Something in me knew that, that maybe it was planned. So at Christmas time, it was Christmas time, and Michael had passed in September, and I was home alone at Christmas. The TV was on uh, in the living room, and I was in the uh, kitchen, and I got prompted to go into the living room. So I wasn't watching TV. It just happened to be on. So contact was on. And um, I looked at it, and it was right at that scene where she meets her father or an ET, and they're embracing. And that was, to me, not an accident that I was prompted to go into the living room, because that movie had such a profound effect on me. And when I thought about the movie, about how she was always looking for her father, and how I'm looking for Michael. <laughs> and so there was that, it was like such as like a moment that I felt Michael had, had sent me into that room to see that uh, and to know that that was a message from him. So that was one thing that happened. That was pretty profound for me. Um, and then the other thing was he had a jacket that I kept uh, from, a bar he liked in Oakland called the Ruby Room. And uh, at the time I was, uh, when Michael was just, he had just passed, I had a friend who we were doing readings together. And I like to scribble when I do readings. So I made this X on a piece of paper and, and it was a particular way that it, it looked. It had round edges. And I said, I don't know why I did that. And I was in bed sleeping and all of a sudden I heard Michael's voice. I had asked again, what, what is that X? And Michael's voice said to me, look in the closet. So I looked in the closet. That's where his jacket was. I turned it around and that was the exact X that I had, writ I had uh, written down on that piece of paper. There it was. I went, oh my God. I, and so it was, it was, prepping me for the portal experiences like with these things that kept happening that I couldn't like say well that's just maybe it's a feather you know that's not enough for me it had to be kind of bigger than that and um yeah and uh his dad passed a year later which was he wasn't even sick before but he passed and when he passed uh, one night, um, I I met him somewhere uh, in the ethers, and he asked me if he was dead, and I said, "You are." And he said, "I don't feel very good." I said, "You're going to feel good soon." And then I woke up. Hmm. So all kinds of things like that have happened to me, where unexplainable happenings. Before we finish up, can you give us one last positive message? I believe we're here, all here for a purpose. And it's to grow and expand and especially open hearts because it changes everything when your heart is open. It changes your relationship to, to 
your life, to other people, to why you're here, what your purpose is. Sally, thank you for that message and thank you for being my guest. Thank you for having me, Jeff. It's been a lot of fun. Likewise. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.